Captain America in the house. Where's Captain America? Deadpool. Okay, have a seat. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Good. It's good that we could just fellowship for a minute, right? Uh, I love the fall festival. I want to thank everyone for coming out today. Uh, it's great that we could be together as a family. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you that uh, we can spend time in your word today as a family. I know that Dave is celebrating a 30th college reunion up at Stanford. And uh, thank you that uh, he's up there with Robin and that we could be down here worshiping it together as a family and that all over the world people are worshiping right now. And so we're grateful that we get to be part of this family. And I pray that as we talk about your family today, we take great pride in it. We pray that as we come before you, before we take communion, we could honor your sacrifice with our heart condition. We love you. Thank you. And pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the fall festival, right? Every year we've been doing it for the last three years. I, I, at least I've been part of it. I love the faith that has developed from it. We obviously love the food, right? I, I know many of you are thinking about the food right after. If you're here trying to lose weight today, you should probably start tomorrow, amen? Uh, it's, it's a little rough in the kingdom of God trying to lose weight, but we also get the fellowship together. And I do want to thank the Sanchez's and their team. Amen. Let's give them a hand. As well as all of Metro East, the family in Metro East sector. I also want to thank Faith Point and South Cities for being here and participating, that we get to participate and give a hand to those families as well. Great to be together. I'm proud of our church. You know, let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like it's difficult to connect with God and others? How many of you are stressed out? Don't raise your hand. With the political climate in the world today, it's, it's a little stressful sometimes. Whether, and, and I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm just saying it's stressful in America right now, right? And, and I don't know about you, but when it comes to our spiritual family, it's all about being able to connect, right? Learning to connect with God and each other. And, and it's difficult, though, uh, to be able to do that. I'm just trying, honestly, I'm just trying to connect with my, my wife and my kids every day. And then try to connect with brothers who are in my immediate vicinity around me. So, you know, but then it's difficult to be able to connect on a level that is meaningful. Uh, and I don't know about you, but life is busy, right? The, the, you know, this theory that the older you get, you have more time. is out the door, man. I, I, the older I get, the more busy it is right now. And I feel like that's going to keep happening over and over again. And God designed us to connect. And when there's a giving and receiving that goes on... When we connect with God and people, there's closeness and unity and healing that takes place when there's a connection that goes on. That's why, like, at these functions like this, it's important that we're together like this. Because you could see somebody from afar who's going through something, and you can just connect, right? Uh, and that's a good thing. And, uh, but, you know, the truth is, it doesn't, connecting doesn't always happen every day. Like, just because you're married doesn't mean you're connected to your spouse, Correct? You know, it, it, you, could, you could be married 20 years and your connection may not be that strong. Just the same way that you could be in a church for 20 years and feel lonely because it takes effort to connect. And uh, there are times, though, that we experience it. But sometimes the connecting is reduced to the, hello, how are you? And that's about it. Sometimes, guys, we, we grunt sometimes, right? I ask my son, you know, I ask, I, I, sometimes I ask guys, hey, how are you doing? Good. Does your, does your husband do that, ladies? How are you doing? How was your day? Great. That's about it, though, right? There's a lot going on in our mind, and we think we're connecting, but only one word comes out. 
Ladies are, you know, they tend to be a lot better at connecting and learning how to connect emotionally. And what we're going to talk about today in Ephesians chapter 4, oh, easy over there, Fred. Easy, bro. Marriage dynamics is coming up right after that, bro. Uh, as we look at e- Ephesians chapter 4, right? Ephesians 1 to 3 is all about God's plan to win the world through his spiritual family. And I hope you feel encouraged that you're part of a movement that is designed to influence the world around us. In chapter 4 and through 6, how, it's about how we interact with God and with each other so God can carry out that plan. And so our theme today is I want to talk about this, connecting to build unity. Because unity is something that takes a long time to build but can be destroyed in seconds, right? It takes forever to build but can be destroyed in seconds, man. And so it's difficult and it's challenging. And I want to talk about two things, give you a practical, and then we'll take communion. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1, and here's the first point I want to talk about in verse 1. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Think about that for a minute. I, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, as if, like, being humble is not enough. And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. On your, just getting to church, did anybody violate any one of these things right here? Don't raise your hand right now. Because I'm sure everybody was busy, right? We're all getting ready for the fall festival. I'm sure the Metro East folks were here at 8 a.m. in the morning. And, and, you know, whenever you're holding a big event like that, it's stressful. You know, we're worried, are we going to have enough food? How many of you brought food today? Okay, that's stressful right there. You know, Lord, we pray that we can feed the 5,000 today with the few that we have. Uh, right? We we're supposed to bring food. You're supposed to bring, a, for our families, you're supposed to bring a bag of candy. Okay, we, we, again, we'll pray for God to bless us in that, that there's enough prizes to go around. And all these things right here, you know, I want to have Farshad stand up for a minute. Vince stand up for a minute. Vince Flowers and Edgar Sanchez stand up for a minute. Do they, do, do they look alike? Who said yes? Who said yes? <laughs> Liz is crazy, man. Liz is crazy. They look, do they look alike? Do they have the same hobbies? Do they dress alike? Do they speak alike? You know, I saw Farshad on Facebook. He was at the World Series. I was upset that he didn't invite his family to it, though. Our spiritual, like Farshad, sharing is caring, bro. Sharing is caring, right? But he was having a great time at it. You know, that was awesome, okay? Have a seat, guys. They get to eat first today in lunch, amen? But what makes them unique? It, it's not their hobbies. It's not how they dress. It's not the job they have. It's the calling they have that makes them unique and makes them unified. It's the calling that we have. And one of the first ways we can learn to connect is through our calling. What makes us unique, guys, is we're, we're here to follow Jesus. Amen? And then, you know, they're, they are different in so many respects, but what unifies them is that they follow Jesus. And because they follow Jesus, they also have the attitude of Jesus. Amen? 
And Christians need, you know, when our attitude makes all the difference. Even today, right? When you came into church, do you think your attitude makes a difference? Absolutely. You either were here just encouraging everybody else or you were expecting to be encouraged. Right? Your attitude makes a difference in, in everything that we do. And your Christians need ways to learn how to battle Satan because Satan has influenced the world way more than you may realize. Let me give you an example. This is an excerpt called, If I Were the Devil. I would gain control of the most powerful nation in the world. I would delude their minds into thinking that they had come from man's effort instead of God's blessings. I would promote an attitude of loving things and using people instead of the other way around. I would dupe entire states into relying on gambling for their state revenue. I would convince people that character is not an issue when it comes to leadership. I would make it legal to take the life of unborn babies. I would make it socially acceptable to take one's own life and invent machines to make it convenient. I would cheapen human life as much as possible so that the life of animals are valued more than human beings. I would take God out of the schools where even the mention of his name was grounds for a lawsuit. I would come up with drugs that sedate the mind and target the young. And I would get sports heroes to advertise them. I would get control of the media so that every night I could pollute the minds of every family member for my agenda. I would attack then the family, the backbone of any nation. I would make divorce acceptable and easy and even fashionable. If the family crumbles, so does the nation. I would compel people to express their most depraved fantasies on canvas and movie screens, and I would call it art. I would convince the world that people are born homosexuals and that their lifestyle should be accepted and marveled. I would convince the people that right and wrong are determined by a few who call themselves authorities and refer to their agendas as politically correct. I would persuade people that the church is irrelevant and out of date and the Bible is for the naive. I will dull the minds of Christians and make them believe that prayer is not important and that faithfulness and obedience are optional. I guess I would leave things pretty much the way they are. Isn't that deep? That's how, that's the world we live in right now. And one of the things about our calling that is so important is to understand what we're being called to. And, and our attitude that we bring into the church is super important. So Paul talks about five things. I want to go through it right here. The first one is to be completely humble. It's this, it's this word, tapenios. Say that. Tapenios. Tyrone, come up over here for a minute. As Tyrone makes his way up, okay. This, this word, to be completely humble. I just saw Tyrone over there, and I know him for years, so... He gets to eat second in line, right? Okay, stay right there, Tyrone, right there, okay? Tapenios is this world to make low lying. Does that make sense? So humility is about lying low in your heart, in your mind. It's to bring your mind down. That's what humility is. In the first sense, it's to bow and lie down. An example of that would be like this. That, lay down, Tyrone. Don't on your knees, bro. There we go. <laughs> Listen to Chris Jordan. He's telling you to lie down, brother. Okay. This is an example of humility before God. It means to lay low, to lie down. Your mind, your thoughts, your attitude, 
It's to be in submission to lie low to God. Isn't that deep? We'll just keep Tyrone there the whole day. <laughs> Give him my hand. Awesome. Now, in the first century, gang, in the first century, what's important about this is that Romans and Greek despised humility. Despised it. Part of the reason in Roman culture, the crucifixion was one of three forms of capital punishment. Does anybody know the other two forms of capital punishment in the Roman Empire? Anybody? One was crucifixion. One was not fogging, but that's associated with fruit. One was decapitation, is cutting someone's head off. The other was burning alive. There were three forms of capital punishment in the Roman Empire that was lifted up, actually. And the, the lowliest form, if you will, the most humiliating, shameful form was crucifixion. And it was known as this word, summum supplicium, which means ultimate punishment reserved for political rebels, slaves, and murderers. And it was designed to be the most brutal, shameful, and humiliating form that not only causes physical pain, but causes much more emotional pain. And Jesus, which one happened to him? Think about the humility. It took humility for him to go through that. Now, the two-step process of, of crucifixion, the reason why I want to talk about it is because we're going to take communion in just a minute, right? Is this idea that first a victim would be flogged first, and, and he would be stripped naked, and then he would, he would have a, a, a whip with some balls on it and be whipped 39 times. Right? We all know that about Jesus, okay? Uh, but that was normal in the Roman Empire. And as the victim was stripped naked and whipped with metal balls, they were led, then led out to a public place where they had to carry a large beam and, and then be nailed to the beam and endure it for hours, sometimes even days. In my own research, and you need to do your own research in this, but there's a strong argument that Jesus was naked when he was crucified. But if we just go with Western culture, you would never see that in someone's home. You would never see it on a picture, right? We think in Western culture that Jesus is blonde hair, blue eyes, and he got a little staff next to him, right? But that's not Jesus. How many blonde hair, blue eyed guys do you see in the Middle East? And that's the difference, though. And yet, this form of shaming and humiliation is what Jesus was called to. And the, the humility it took for him to be shamed that way for you and I. That's the reason why I follow Jesus. But to think that he could be naked for the whole world to see and shamed and humiliated for people who may not even respect that sacrifice. That's a whole nother level, right? And this is what he's, Paul is talking about is that when, we, when we're, the attitude we bring toward one another is one of complete humility. Amen? Jesus didn't have to be tapenios. He, he chose to be tapenios, completely humble. Second is this word to be gentle, okay? I'm not known as the gentle guy. I'm not, sis, I'm not. Look, nobody even, nobody, everybody agrees, right? Nobody, I disagree. That, that's, that's not what I'm known for. My wife doesn't think, when I get upset and angry, I get mean. Anybody else in here get mean? There's five of us in here. You guys are liars, man. You guys are liars. We'll watch today when you're in line and somebody cuts you off, amen? <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but learning how to be gentle is this word 
preotes. And it carries the idea, you know, of strength under control. Amen. A horse that is trained and domesticated becomes under control. So you know who's like that? Think about, like, when you think of humility, who do you think of in the room? Who? Oh, that's, thank you, Liz. Anybody else? Your wife? Points right there, bro. Points right there. (laughs) Who else? Boaz. Who else? Stacy Sue. Who else? Notice how nobody went, myself! I'm humble! Would somebody humble say that? Would they say that about themselves? Now, who do you think of in the room who's gentle? Grace, okay. Who else? Sarah. Would you agree? Sarah's gentle. Yeah. Think about that, okay? Usually grandma and grandpas. Gentle. Like, like it's not because it, it's, it's when someone's gentle, it's because they're controlled and trained. That's what gentleness, it's not because their, their disposition is that way. It's because they choose to be that way when they don't want to. Gentle, right? The third is to be patient, long-suffering. It carries the idea that when someone's annoying you, you're long-tempered rather than short-tempered. How many of you are short-tempered? Be honest. Oh, my gosh. Look around. Look around. Keep your hand up, everybody. You're short-tempered. That's honest of you, okay? That's honest. That's awesome. And, and the more you're humble. The rest of us, I don't know about that. <laughs> but think about that, okay? Be, being, being patient is being long-suffering. It, it, if I had to give you a visual, it would be like, you know, like sometimes if you watch the animal channel, right? You have a, you have a male lion, and his tail is flapping around like that, and you got a cub over there biting his tail and annoying that lion, and that lion is, 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 is enduring long-suffering. You know that lion could go whack like that, but it chooses not to, right? But that's the idea of long-suffering, is that when someone's annoying you, your attitude is, okay, I can, I can endure this. I can go through this suffering for a bit of time. And that's what patience, and, and the Bible calls that patience. And that's an attitude, though. It's, it's the way we look at something. The fourth thing is learning to bear with one another in love, is that we decide to accept each other in spite of their own pet, pee- their pet peeves, idiosyncrasies, and all their weird things that we do. We're a family, right? So people are going to annoy each other. Amen? It's going to happen, guys. Somebody's going to tick you off. Somebody's going to do something. It's going to annoy you. And we have to learn to bear with one another. I appreciate my wife puts up with me. She's been putting up with me for over 23 years, man. You know, I'm encouraged. My kids put up with me. The, the 11 a.m. ministry puts up with me, right? The 11 a.m. ministry puts up with me as well. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the church puts up with me and all the things that I have. The fifth thing is about making every effort. It carries this idea of diligence and eagerness to build unity, that you're a person that looks to build unity in the fellowship. You're looking to build unity. It's not that you just sit there. Unity doesn't just happen. It has to be forged. Amen? And so it's, it's super important that we learn to consider this attitude when we're, when we're in the church, to be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, and making every effort. Amen? So we connect through this calling that we have. What makes those three guys different uh, 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 or unified is the fact that they're called to this. And when our church does this, it's amazing what happens in the church when we live like this. And I appreciate that. Today's an example of that, where we're, we're able to do that. Well, why is this important for you to know that we connect through our calling? 
Because consider this. Your attitude, not your aptitude, will determine your altitude. What your attitude is like is going to determine how unified we will be, how far we will go, and how much impact we will have spiritually, individually, as well as collectively as a family. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you'll never go anywhere. And so we must learn to work on that. Amen. And I appreciate all of us in the room really trying to work on that. The second thing I want to do, and we'll wrap up right here and take communion, is this one. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 4 through 11. And it's about learning to connect through your gifts. That every single person in this room is gifted. I like talking to the preteens and teens because they're just learning this as they get older. Is that God has given them some gifts. Now let's read this. Now here, here's what I want to do guys. I want to read a different version okay, of Ephesians chapter 4. Listen to this one. It's, it's from the message. And it's a, it's a cool version. Consider this. It says, you are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who rules over all, works through all and is president in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is he climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it out in gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth? And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled the earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other efficient and graceful in response to God's son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without fully alive in Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Isn't that a great translation of it? And so, you know, Paul goes on to talk about this, is that uh, this is what our attitude should be like. But then also... He's informing us how he's going to use us to make a big difference in this world. It's not just to have a great attitude, but he empowers and equips us to have gifts to now use it in the world so that it makes a humongous difference in the world. Amen. And that's how unity is built. And so he talks about that. There's a oneness with God. We all saw that one hope, one faith, one love, one baptism, everything, right? One spirit. Jesus goes out and gives gifts. And he even says what some of those gifts are. That's why there's elders in the church. That's why there's evangelists in the church. That's why there's teachers in the church. That's why there's deacons in the church. And all those gifts that are given out are for a reason. But make sure when we look at the, and there are many more gifts in the Bible, but make sure that when you're looking at the gifts, you don't value one gift over another gift. Because some gifts are public. There's preaching, teaching, leading, right? 
In World War II, when England was, it had its lowest morale, Winston Churchill went up and gave a speech at Oxford University that lasted 10 seconds long and boost the whole morale of a country. In 10 seconds, do you know what he said? Never give up. Never, ever give up. And walked off. That's all that was needed. Because that was a gift that he used, and he used it at a proper time, and, and a whole nation was rallied because of 10 seconds. That's pretty amazing. Right? Some gifts are private. Serving, helping. You know, this wouldn't happen, right? This wouldn't happen at all, guys. The fall festival. If there weren't people behind the scenes doing the work. So please don't look at certain gifts and value more than the other. In March of 1981, President Ronald Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr. And he was hospitalized for several weeks. But it had little impact on the nation's activity. Government went on. In Philadelphia, the city garbage collectors went on a three-week strike that year and paralyzed the country because no trash was picked up. So who's more important, the president or the garbage collector? They're both important. <laughs> Look how selfish we are. Garbage collector, man. The garbage collector. Get that trash out of here, right? They're both important. I, I get it. I totally get it, right? They're both important, though. You, but a country was paralyzed because the garbage collectors went on strike for three weeks. A lot of us would look at a president and go, oh, that job is more important than the other. They're both important. So remember all the gifts, amen? So as we close today, when you think about, well, why is it important? Here's the practical. In First uh, Peter chapter 4, can we? No? Move it for me, Amir. One more. I'll close that right here. Here's the practical. Use it, don't lose it. God gives you an attitude. He gives you gifts. Use it for his glory. Don't lose it. If you got a bad attitude, lose it. <laughs> right? But the attitude that God gives us, the gifts that God gives us, let's use it. And don't lose it. Amen. So as we take communion today, Think about your attitude. You know, there's a lot of great things going on. Think about the gifts that God has given us. And we will learn not only to connect through our unity, we'll connect through our calling, we'll also connect through our gifts and see God really use us to change the world. Amen. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. Let's go to God in prayer and let's take communion. God, we love you. We thank you for our time today. Uh, bless the whole fall festival and everything that goes on with it. Uh, be with all the games, be with all the, the, the eating, the spiritual activity going on today. We just want to be a fellowship that loves you with all of our heart and want to be used by you. Thank you for connecting with us and working hard to build our faith our, and to encourage our souls this morning so that we could be giving to one another and to a lost world. We love you. Thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for your time.